Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Lord kind of messed our church up this week. <laughs> it's like, it's like we, we thought things were good. We thought things were good and the Lord's like, hey, it was good, but I've got something better. And I believe, and there's better still, come on, buddy. Yeah, better still, goodness. Amen. All right, so I really, I'm going to just try and share today. Okay, and I, I, I don't, uh, I want to provide just a little bit of language for what we experienced and a little bit of language for what, what we experienced and how do we continue to steward what the Lord gave us so that we can continue to, because you understand like what is it, Isaiah 9.6 says that there will be no end to the increase of his kingdom or his peace, or there'll be no end to the there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. Which means that his kingdom doesn't do this. It's not like his kingdom is actually looks like this. And so if there's no end to the increase of his government or of peace. By the way, peace is the announcement that his government or his kingdom or his dominion is here. But if there's no end to it, that means that there should no be end to it. There should be no end to it with us. And if there's no end to it with us, that means there are things that we need to do to stay in obedience, to stay in right relationship, to stay living a holy life so that his kingdom continues to grow. Okay, and like something got reignited in me this past week, and like I, I don't believe I'm I'm not trying to be overly emotional. I'm an emotional guy. I I make no ifs ands or buts about it. I'm emotional. This is not emotion right here. This is the Lord wants this thing to grow, and the Lord wants this thing to spread out there, <laughs> so that people can experience the goodness of the Lord that we're experiencing. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And it's no accident, it's, it's no accident that a, a bus full of people drove by when Corey was pray, preaching that this past week. Corey's like, what the Lord's doing here, he wants it to be done out here. And I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing and I'm probably butchering it, but it was that moment, boom, a big charter bus pulls right by the door and the place light came unhinged. But the Lord desires to continue to move. And the Lord desires to continue for us to push forward. And he's asking for a group of people that want to host his presence. Like when you invite people into your house, you're hosting dinner guests, right? And, and when you host the dinner guests, it's like, first of all, I, and I'm, I may get in trouble, but first of all, we clean the house like crazy before guests come over, <laughs> right? You clean things you don't typically clean. You also bring out the best china, you bring out all, all the, you just hold nothing back, or, or at least that's what we do. Well, I say we do. Sometimes we do paper plates because it's like we don't want to do the dishes, and that's the only exception. <laughs> but when you host someone, you want to let them have a good experience. 
What if a church or what if a group of people, a company of people said we're hosting the presence of the Lord, not that so that we have a good experience, but so that the Lord has a good experience. That sounds so counterintuitive to what we're taught. And, and again, this is a lot of repeat this morning, but that's okay because, I, again, we need to understand this. What we're doing here, it is for Him. And when we make it for Him, He begins to do things in our midst. And when He does things in our midst, it spills out so that they can experience what we have experienced because what we've experienced is pretty stinking good. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to skip one verse. I'm going to go right to it. Last week I shared Isaiah 64, 1 that says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. All right, so what the Lord has done, it's, it's interesting to me. I preached last Sunday on an open heaven, and I feel like on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the Lord opened heaven up. I was not trying to be prophetic when I preached that last week. I was trying to share what the Lord wanted to do, but I believe that it was actually a forerunner to what the Lord wanted to allow us to inherit. So, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. And again, when we say, would you rent, would you tear heaven open? Would you split it right in half? And would you do it so that when you split the floor of heaven open, that everything that is in heaven just boom, begins to fall over earth, right? And we said last week that when we, when we say, would you rend the heavens and come down, the phrase come down literally means, Lord, would you come down and lay prostrate on the earth, which is mind-boggling when you think about it. We're saying, we don't want you just to come with a trickle. We don't want you to come with just a little bit for just a moment. We're actually asking that you come and that you just lay down and make yourself comfortable on the earth. Or would you come and make yourself comfortable and lay down and sprawl all out, right? We call it April, we call it April sleeps like a starfish sometimes. And, and we're saying, Lord, would you come down and just lay on the earth like this on your face on the earth? And it's, it's, it's Habakkuk, what is it? It's, it's Habakkuk 2.14 for the knowledge of... Of, of the glory of the Lord will begin to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And, and again, that is so weird when you say the waters cover the sea. It's like, well, the waters are the sea. And, and, and like, what, well, what's the sea? It's water. What's the water? It's the sea. And there is no distinguishable difference. There is no separation between the two. So we want the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We want the goodness of the Lord to come to the earth to such a degree that there is no separation. There is no separation between the earth and his goodness. So what does that look like? Well, it's Matthew 6.10. It's on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's, it's actually Genesis let's say two and three, right after the Lord creates the garden and they're walking in fellowship with the Lord. That really would be, that really would be the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's what we're asking for. We're not, <laughs> hear me, and we say this a lot, like we want our church to grow, but we're not saying God, would you grow our church? No, it's we want to create a holy habitation for you 
And when you create a holy habitation, people begin to walk across the threshold. I was so floored this morning. I say floored. I shouldn't have been. But I was back there talking and, 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 and doing the churchy stuff. And I turned around and I looked and there's people at the altars praying. And we hadn't even started yet. There are people up here sitting crying in the presence of the Lord. We hadn't even said, we're starting our service. No, we're actually entering into something that has been existing since all of creation or since the Lord said, let there be, there it was. And so, so we just got to experience something really amazing. <laughs> I'm a mess. This may be, I preach disjointed messages. This may be a very, one of the most disjointed ever. <laughs> The mountains might quake at your presence. Hmm. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at your presence. Quake means to tremble, implying that things begin to receive or quake at the fear of the Lord, His holiness, His glory coming down. What would it look like? I don't know. I'll be honest, I got a little nervous when y'all opened the door today. And, and I say that in a good way. It's like, Lord, part of me, if I'm confessing, part of me is like, well, I signed in my lease that no noise would go outside the building. But then the other part of me was like, who cares? They need to have the glory of the Lord. The worst thing they're going to say is hush. And then when they come and say hush, they're going to be like, what is that that we're experiencing, right? <laughs> but what would it look like if things begin to quake in our city because we began to Ask the Lord to come to such a degree that he really does come. What would it look like? And quaking looks like lots of different things. What would it look like if the strip club across the street said, we no longer have enough money to stay open? Do you think that the owner would begin to quake? Right? What would it look like if the tarot reading place down there, by the way, it's, half, it's what, half a mile down there. I got in trouble down there for laying hands and praying on it about a year and a half ago. But what would it look like? What would it look like if it started losing all the business and it started to quake? Or what if when they started to do in the demonic activity that the, the Lord just, poof, the wind comes through and blows all the cards off? I think that's a quaking, right? <laughs> Like, and you're like, so, like, it's funny, but it's true. What would it look like if he just really did come down and the things that were not holy or the things that are not in heaven began to cease to exist here? And what if the things of heaven began to exist here to such a degree that everything that's not of him began to quake? I'm like, man, that's what we are contending for. <laughs> Like that's, that's just what revival is. Revival's not hyped up emotional meetings, although emotional meetings do happen. Revival is Him. I actually think revival is the seed form of the kingdom. It's like, because we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. Like we're saying, unleash heaven. When revival comes, it comes in a small seed form. It's people getting born again. It's people getting saved. It's people getting healed, delivered, sanctified, set free. It's people making commitments 
that they've never made before, or it's people renewing commitments that they've never made before. It's people getting healed. It's people getting up out of wheelchairs, right? It's, it's people that's been in a physical affliction for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, no longer have to dealing with those things. Why? Because this kingdom has come. But when revival comes, it's just an inkling of that. And when it's an inkling of that very thing, then it's our responsibility to steward that seed and to protect that seed so that it begins to grow and to germinate. That's why in Genesis 1.28, the Lord says, be fruitful and multiply and expand the boundaries of the garden is what the Lord said to do. Then in Genesis, I can't remember if it's Genesis 6 or 7, it's the story of Noah, the, the Lord wipes the earth out, which really it wasn't him wiping the earth out. I mean, it was him wiping the earth out, but really he was repopulating the earth with a company of eight people designed. Well, the one person that he saved the earth with was the one that walked blameless and was righteous and walked blameless before the Lord. Okay? And so the Lord comes, and immediately when they get off the boat, what does the Lord tell Noah? He says, be fruitful and multiply. Expand my righteousness among the earth. <laughs> and so it's our job to be fruitful and multiply and so it's like are we going to multiply what the Lord's done in our heart this, this week whether you're here or not whether you're watched online whether you're listening to our podcast are we going to be fruitful and multiply and take that one little seed that he gave us and say we're going to grow it and we're going to grow it and we're going to grow it we're going to steward it we're going to protect it with everything that we have it's like some of y'all here in the city, like if you have a garden, like there's, there's one guy downtown Old Louisville that gardens and he, he, he has the raised boxes between some of the buildings, but he puts like, I don't know, like chicken coop wire over his plants so that the things, animals won't get it, so that the squirrels, the possums, everything that's down there, so that they don't get it. What if we took what the Lord did and said, we're going to literally put ourselves over that and protect it so that it can continue to grow until it begins to bear fruit. All right. So what are the results of the Lord coming down? This is, this is what I observed. So I, I want to give some language what the Lord did this past week. And, and, and some of this some of this, I'll read a verse, and you're like, well, you quote that all the time. I've heard this since I was a kid. I understand. We just need to get it. Okay? You need to get it. And we need to really understand just how finished the work that Jesus did really is. When he said it is finished, you, you, you realize that when he said it is finished, he really meant it was finished. Like he, when, 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 we, when we come into the kingdom of God... He proclaims it's finished over our life, which means that, well, it's, it's 2 Corinthians 5.17 is what I'm going to like hammer right here. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if, is there anyone not in Christ this morning in this room? I don't think so. So this applies to everyone in here. <laughs> It's like, it's like this, and, and this never ceases to amaze me. Sometimes we'll share a message, or I'll be in a service, and, and, uh, and, and someone will come up and be like, I wish such and such was here to hear that. 
And I'm like, I'm thinking if you're saying such and such was here need, that needed to hear it, it's probably you're the one that needed to hear it. But anyway, <laughs> and, if the, and if the word of God does not return void, even if it's good for you, it's going to impact your heart, okay? So anyway, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. So in Christ, Paul Paul's the most characteristic expression of what it means to be a Christian is this, that Christ's death and resurrection for us is our identification with him by faith. We make an, a new, we actually make a new existence, meaning that a new creation is possible and that new creation permeates every aspect of my life, which means this, that if I'm a new creation, if I'm in Christ, I am a new creation which means that everything that happened in the past boom, no longer exists. And the thing that exists now, it's not just me saying, I prayed a prayer to go to heaven, brother. I'm, I'm saved. Well, I want to talk to you briefly about the difference between being saved and born again. Now, it is correct to say I'm saved. It is correct to say that. I just think we need to say born again. Because I think it's better. I'm saved from hell. I'm saved from judgment and wrath. We understand that. Like, and what has happened, especially over the last 120 years in the American church, is that we get people to pray a prayer and you're saved. The problem is, is that it stops right there. Because you understand, like, we... I, we, we could fill the football stadium in the city and say, come get saved, and people's going to go pray a prayer. But if there's no change in the direction of their life, they're still probably going to go to hell. Let's be for real. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just trying to be truthful. When you get born again, it insinuates that everything that happened before, you, you had to die which means that everything that was encumbered, encumbered you before is gone and you're, you're born again. Now, we understand this, that every person who has ever lived has Adam's DNA in them. I'm not trying to get science-y, but every person that lives has Adam's DNA in them, which means that you're born with the propensity to sin, Okay. How, but when you get born again, that bloodline gets severed and you receive a new bloodline and you get the bloodline of Christ Jesus, which never sinned, who never sinned. He lived a spotless and a holy life, meaning that it's now possible for us to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Some of y'all look at me funny. That's okay. When he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if he's in Christ, he is a new creature, he's a new creation. New means recent or unknown or a fresh start. So when you get born again, you get a fresh start. Now, some of y'all have been following Jesus for a really long time. Now, I'm not sure if you can get born again, born again, born again, born again, but I believe you can get renewed, okay? So what I believe what's happened over the last week is that many of you have received a fresh start, myself included. Which means that if I get a fresh start, it's, I, I don't get it. It's like, Lord, the last two years, we're just going to take a mulligan on it. 
<laughs> I was mean. I was hateful. I was angry. <laughs> I struggled with some stuff, but I'm getting a fresh start. I'm born again. I'm no longer going to relate to that stuff because that stuff was connected to Adam. And I'm just going to identify with the stuff that comes with Christ, which is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to identify with that. So, so all this other stuff, it's dead. It's gone. It no longer defines me. What would it look like if a company of people said, oh, I'm just struggling, brother, with this problem. Quit saying you struggle with it and stop struggling with it. <laughs> That's the kind of preaching that got Paul flogged a lot. <laughs> he is a new creation. That was just the word new. Creation means you're a new God's work. You're a new work of God. <laughs> Which means that you can't be born again on your own self or your own accord. You can't make yourself holy. You can't. That's been the problem the last, let's say, from 1950s to now. And, and a holiness movement is that it's do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. Wear this, wear this, wear this, don't wear this, whatever. Those things are probably a byproduct of living a holy life. But if you skip allowing him to do it, then it becomes legalism, and then it becomes disgusting. Let's be for real. Oh, you can't do that, brother. Well, the Holy Spirit didn't speak that to me. But I just know I'm going to surrender myself to him, and whatever he tells me, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to be okay with it. So, which, which is really important, and, and that's what has started to happen here. If we're really honest, even over the last six months, we've had people enter into our church, that may be living in some things that some of us are uncomfortable with, and I'm, I'm whatever, but the goodness of the Lord is beginning to change people. It's not because we're saying we disagree with this, this, and this. Now, there are certain things I'll tell you my opinion. If you ask, I'm going to tell you. But it's not my job to change people. It's my job to introduce people to the presence of the Lord, and He happens to do that for us. So he's much better at it than I am. <laughs> and also, he's much better. Like, we have taught people, especially if you're God's work, you're a new creation, like we teach people sin management. It's like this. And, and, and now hear, hear me on this. But let, I'm, I'm going to throw out an example to tell the story, and then you all can just replace that with whatever you want. If you're someone that struggles with pornography and it looks at stuff on the internet that you should not look at, there are things that you can put in place to manage that. There's things where like you could get it on your phone and email someone else your history of what you've looked at on your browser in a moment. You do anything critical, it either blocks that site or sends the email or text, just like that. Okay, So it's stopping someone from doing those things, yes, but is it eradicating someone from doing those things? Probably not. It's just managing it because you're afraid to get embarrassed. The Lord, when you're a new creation, says you have that nature in you, and I just want to kill that thing that's inside of you so that you can live 
a life, John 10, 10, a life and life more abundantly. And you don't have to be bound by these things anymore. You don't have to struggle with these things anymore. You can be set free, right? It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And so you can get set free of that stuff. So, so what I'm saying, what I believe is one of the biggest things that the Lord has done is some of you have this fresh start. The Lord has made you into a new creation some of you actually receive a new identity like what you felt called to do and, and and as the lord does those things it means that we no longer need to struggle with these things anymore and now what if i struggle with those things anymore there's grace there's grace he's good but you know what i'm not going to keep coming back to this place I'm not going to keep coming back to this place. Now, if I do, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to receive guilt, shame, or condemnation. I'm going to say, Lord, you're good. I am so sorry. I repent. I'm going to have a change the way I think. Therefore, I'm going to change the direction that I go. I'm a new creation in Christ, right? The old is gone. The new has come. And since the new has come, I'm going to walk in freedom in this born-again experience. And instead of just being saved from one thing, I'm actually born into something completely new and I'm going to walk in this newness of life, okay? And now, now some will say, is that cheap grace? No, it's absolutely not because I'm telling you, when you are given a amount of freedom, like there's, there's a degree of, I don't want to say pride, but there's a degree of honor like, you really trust me with this amount of freedom. It's like, it's like if, if, I borrowed, if I borrowed John's pickup truck, I'm using that. If I borrowed John's pickup truck, hallelujah, it's an amazing truck. But if I borrowed his pickup, I would not be like, I got his truck. He let me use it. I'm not going to pedal to the metal. It's right. I'm going to treat it really good because I want to give it back to him in a very good condition. And so when the Lord trusts us with freedom, it's not so that we can abuse the freedom he's given us. That's what Paul talks about, by the way. It's not to abuse what he's given us. It's actually to say, I don't even care about this stuff anymore because what I got so stinking good, I'm not going to go back to the way it was before. So one of my favorite preachers says, I don't have rules for my life. I live by the Spirit. If I live by, <laughs> if I live by the Spirit... This other stuff isn't going to matter anyway, right? So that's what the Lord's done. So I say that to tell you this, that, that you're brand new. You're brand new. You're a new creation. You're a new work of God. What is it, Colossians 2.10? You're God's masterpiece. You're a, you're, a, you're a beautiful poem created in the hands of the Lord. Like that, that's just, that's what it means. Masterpiece translates as poem. But you're just this ama a brand new, amazing thing. And so the Holy Spirit gives us new life, which he has given. Therefore, we're not the same anymore. By the way, Christians are not reformed. There's reformed Christians. I don't necessarily agree with their theology, but there's reformed, but that's not what I'm talking about. There's, Christians are not reformed. Christians are not rehabilitated now, hear me. Now, some of these things are good, but we're not reformed. We're not rehabilitated. We're not re-educated. We're actually recreated into a new creation, meaning that it's not a process. It's a boom, it's a quick death, and boom, I come back, and, and it's not I who any longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me, Galatians 2.20. And the life I now live, I live by the Spirit. So, so, so we, what the Lord has done is a very, very, very good thing. And I I'm telling you to walk in it because what we were even last Sunday was amazing here 
But what we were last Sunday is not who we are today. Wednesday was amazing while we were praying and fasting at our homes. But who we are today is not who we were Wednesday. And so what I'm telling you is, if the Lord did something in your heart, some of you got set free of guilt, shame, fear, condemnation. Some of you got set free of sin. Do not go back to that life before. Do not go back to the way we were before. Do not go back to it. It's like this. And where, where is it? Jeremiah 2.13. For my people committed two evils. They've forsaken me. They've forgotten me. And they forgot me the living fountain or the fountain of living waters to hew for themselves cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hear, or broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so in this verse in Jeremiah 2.13, Lord said, they did two things wrong. One, they forsaken me. They forgot about God. So as you're walking this new creation lifestyle, don't forget about the Lord. It sounds so elementary. I feel like I'm teaching a Sunday school class, man. It's like, don't forget the Lord. But you know what we do? We forget about the Lord. It's like, oh man, that, that, that cistern sure looks delicious. <laughs> but you know what? It's like, no, I'm not going to forget about you. You're good. Your love endures forever. You have a plan and a purpose for my life. Plans to prosper. Plans not to harm me. I'm going to think about you. You're on the throne, right? And, and there's, there, there's all these angels and seraphim going around you. Isaiah 6 says that, that, that Isaiah looked up and he saw the Lord seated on a throne. And the train of his robe was filling the temple. Lord, I'm going to focus on your robe, your glory, your holiness, your might your majesty I'm going to focus on that filling the temple filling the temple filling the temple filling the temple because I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit and so as your robe fills my own temple there's not going to be any room for me to want this right and then Isaiah like I'm going to focus on those things I'm going to focus that you're the first and the last and, and, and you're the alpha and the omega you're the beginning and the end I'm going to focus that you are hovering over the waters the chaos which oftentimes chaos makes us want to run back to these cisterns and drink and, and in Genesis 1, the Lord was hovering over the chaos. And then their spirit of the Lord was. And the Lord said, let there be. And then he took the chaos and he brought order to it. So when the chaos comes and I get tempted, I'm going to say, Lord, would you begin to bring order to the chaos that I'm feeling and that I'm beginning to experience? Because I'm going to focus on you and I'm not going to go back to this place. <laughs> it sounds so easy. It's, it's, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's the easiest thing you'll ever do. You can pick that up later. I don't know. And it says that they've forsaken me and they went back to these cisterns that were broken and that they held no water. You know what I, I believe that is? That's a picture of us running to the things that never fulfilled the hole that we had in our heart to begin with. <laughs> like you understand, like if you're struggling with something, if it's if it's if it's having a drink, if it's if it's looking at stuff online, like, and hear my heart, it, it there may be momentary satisfaction, there may be momentary release or relief, if you will. But the moment that wears off, the moment those endorphins wear off, you're going to feel empty, and you're going to feel yucky, and you're going to feel dirty, and you're going to feel unsatisfied. You're probably going to feel shameful, right? You're, you're just going to feel that way, and the Lord's saying. Don't forsake me, because if you don't forsake me, oh, this is good, it's coming. If, if you don't forsake me, 
if you don't forsake me, then you won't even go back to that thing. That's like James, what is it, James 4, 8, which says, submit to God. That's what was coming. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. It, it's not about resisting the devil. It's about, not, it's about submitting to God, and it's about not forsaking God because then these things are inconsequential, and they no longer captivate, captivate my attention. So you're a new creation. You're a new creation. And it's like, well, what do I do if I start to struggle? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very practical. And some of you have heard me say this before. What I did when I just started rattling off Bible verses and talking to the Lord, I rattle off Bible verses and talk to the Lord. <laughs> when I feel myself getting angry or when I feel myself getting, like, stressed, I'm like, you give peace that goes be all understanding. Sometimes I'm like, you get peace that goes beyond all understanding, right? I mean, seriously. And then I'll say it again. You get peace, you get peace, you get peace, you get peace. Eventually it comes. I may have to repeat it for an hour. Whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> whatever. Or, or you just spoke a word and you said, hush, be still to the storm. And my storm's raging all around me. So would you say, hush, be still? Would you say, hush, be still? Would you say, hush, be still? Like, and it's like, it's, it's like I'm just keep knocking on that door till justice comes, until it happens. Like some of us, we need not to be afraid to continue to say the same thing over and over to the Lord. Now, is that like make, drawing attention to yourself? and make, No, it's not. I think sometimes you just got to talk yourself into believing something. And sometimes we believe that there's power in our words. So if we begin to say these things out loud, which are the word of God, it doesn't return void. <laughs> and it's like, Phew, I'm changed. By the way, most time the Lord doesn't even change our circumstances. He changes us so we can handle our circumstances. <laughs> All right. I have no idea where I'm at. <laughs> So you get it. We get that, right? Just quit returning to the same thing. You have newfound freedom. You have newfound freedom, which is the most precious gift that you could receive. You have newfound freedom. Let's walk in it. All right. So last section is that's what the Lord did. He really made us new creations. And I, I really want you to really begin to believe that you're born again as well. Let me re-hit that point. You're born again. You're not, you're not just saved from hell. You're born again into something new, okay? Because I can be saved from something and not change. But I, if I'm born again, I'm forced to allow him to change me. All right. So, so if the Lord came down and if the Lord poured himself out, and if he has made us new creations over the last few days, like how do we really steward what the Lord's beginning to give us? Like how do we walk in this? Let me, let me read this verse, it's, uh, or verses. Exodus chapter 40. Incredible verses. Exodus 40 says, now when Exodus is, is the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt, leaving slavery, coming into freedom. Okay? So, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is Exodus 40, 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, 
and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. All right. So, first of all, when and, and you guys know this, but, but first of all, when they were traveling, when they were fleeing Egypt, that the Lord would come down during the day as a cloud, and he would lead the people, and then he would, at night, he would lead them by fire. Now, the Lord wasn't the cloud, and the Lord wasn't the fire. The Lord was in the cloud, and the Lord was in the fire, which means it's like this. When we say we want your manifest presence, like when, when the Lord shows up and we sense his presence, the thing we're feeling, it's so weird to explain, but, but the thing we're feeling isn't necessarily him, but it's him. <laughs> it's like someone testified, said they felt wind the other night. He wasn't the wind. He was in the wind, right? And so it's, it's hard to articulate, but, but that's what was going on. And so he's not in the goose, he's not the goosebumps, he's in the goosebumps, okay? All right, so, so he was in fire and cloud, and now in this passage, in this passage, I think it gives almost a blueprint for what we need to do and how we need to live our lives and, and how we need to steward this church. Verse 34 says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So the tent of meeting, we could say this is the tent of meeting. This is coming where we're coming to meet corporately with the Lord. All right. It says that the, that the glory, the kabod, the weighty presence of the Lord covered the tent of meeting. And actually, well, he came down and he actually filled it. And when it says that he filled it, it means it was completely full. It means it's fulfilling. It means that it was to completion. It means to actually bring satisfaction to those who are inside of it. And it means to be well nourished. And so here's this picture of the Lord. And, and what we're saying is we want the Lord to come down to such a degree that he fills this space up to where it actually spills out outside there. And that when people come into this space, whatever need that they have begins to met, get met. Now, I may have a word or someone else may have a word and someone get touched from God. But I sure love it when someone's just sitting there and the Lord meets their need without anyone else calling it out. And so we're beginning to say, would you come? Would you fill? this tabernacle? Would you fill this tent of meeting to such a degree that there's no room for anything else other than you and you begin to meet whatever need that people have and then you would leave people feeling nourished. Now you don't come here to get fed. You come here to worship Him. But you leave feeling nourished and that's just such a conundrum and the kingdom is full of conundrums. But anyway, it's, it's all... it's. Well, it is, it is. It's full of opposites all the time. It's like Jesus... Jesus said that he came that you may have life and have life to the full. And then Paul said, I die daily. <laughs> so which one is it? Yes, it's both, right? <laughs> it's both. Okay. The only way we're completely full and the only way our city will become full of the presence of the Lord and satisfied is if the weighty presence of God comes and makes his home here. We aren't building a church. We're building a home for the presence of the Lord. We're building a home for the presence of the Lord. 
like we want them to be comfortable here. That sounds so silly. So I, t I typically, like through the week, if I come up here, since, especially since we've grown and we've gotten rid of some offices and stuff and they're used for other things, I, I come right here. This, it's actually the second chair because I take this first chair and I, I place it like this. I place it right here and I take my shoes off and I prop my shoes, up, my feet up in this chair and I sit back here and I just read. But I'm comfortable in the presence of the Lord. What would it look like if we continue to worship like we did this week and this morning to where the Lord is comfortable being here? And like that doesn't sound super spiritual, but it really, really is. Because then people, as Corey said, they begin to get drawn in. Then you all have radical Bible-sized encounters with the Lord, which that is something we really want. It's like, like what's a Bible-sized encounter? I don't know. Read the book of Acts. There's a lot of weird stuff that happened, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. All right, let me move on to the next thing. We must, must be okay if we don't know what to do. When the presence of the Lord really makes himself known, we have to be okay not knowing what to do. We've been practicing that, the Selah. It's like we're not moving on to the next song until we know what's going on, right? Or it might be why we sing, sometimes we sing a song for 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like we're not worried about getting through a full set. We're worried about ministering to the Lord. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, well, God's moving right now. Why do we need to move on? So I can get to the next thing? What if he's not at the next thing? What if he's still doing the last thing? <laughs> this is what I'm trying to learn. And, and sometimes I, I feel like we're getting it right. And sometimes it's like, well, we're learning and we're making mistakes. And, but we're going we're gonna to get this down, okay? So <laughs> we need to be okay when we don't know what to do. There are times when he looks at me and, and Logan, like I know when he's wanting me to give direction, he'll go. And he'll just turn his head. You do this. And, and I love it because sometimes I'm like, y'all just worshiping. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yes. I, or, or, I don't know. That's, and that's when we stay. And it's like, we have to be okay with that. You know what happened? Like, like, have you ever been in this, con like sometimes, especially in the church settings, what happens is there, that silence comes on, especially in silent moments. And it's like, I need to say something. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because maybe what's being done in that silent whisper is much more powerful than what you say because you feel awkward. <laughs> so, so it's like, so there may be some awkward moments of silence, right? Or there may be some just awkward moments where people's just shouting and hollering and the kids are dancing like they were this morning. We're not going to move on until we feel like the Lord's moved on. Well, well, is that biblical? Well, look at the next verse. <laughs> Moses was not able, this is, I don't, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, which, by the way, is what I think happened Saturday when Corey came under the heaviness, the weightiness of the presence of the Lord. He couldn't move. This, the tent of meeting, the presence was so thick that Moses couldn't even open this door. It was like, He's there. And I don't have a grid for that, but I was like, Lord, if that's possible today, I want it. <laughs> All right. He was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud 
It's settled on it. Settled means to live among, means to habit, inhabit, to abide, to stay, to remain, to actually make a camp, to live inside, or to reside in a place, usually for a relatively long point of time, to make a home. We're creating a place where the Lord can make himself a home. Now think about that. Like, how do you make a home? Like, Cox has just moved. Wells has just moved. Schwartz and Trubers have been. You all just moved. Like, you go in. You don't go in and just say, I'm in this big empty house. You go in and you put the furniture where you want. <laughs> you hang stuff up. You make it to where you walk in. Like, I like it to where if I walk in with my eyes closed, I know where everything's at. But I don't live with someone that way. <laughs> <laughs> Where you make it yourself comfortable. We're trying to create an environment where the Lord is just like, I sure do love being among my people at River City Hope Church. <laughs> no, right here. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I don't believe Moses knew what to do when he couldn't enter the temple. <laughs> it's like... I don't know, guys. <laughs> Joshua was always in the tent with us. Like, buddy, I don't know. We can't go in. We? I, don't, I don't know. We'll just wait. <laughs> we'll just wait. Verse 36 says this. It says, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. Which means we don't move on until he's moved on. Hmm. We don't move on like, I believe that there's coming Sundays where the Lord speaks and Logan strums one chord and all people do is just cry out to the Lord for an hour and a half or whatever. There may be some Sundays where it's like, Logan's like, I don't have permission to worship today. I just think you need to teach the whole time. So you're like, oh, that'd be awesome, but... No, preach, we love it. Anyway. <laughs> Just saying we have to be okay not knowing what's next. Agree? All right, good. All right, and his presence has to be our compass. His presence, not just here, but in your day-to-day -day life, his presence has to be your compass. Now, some of us are very directionally challenged. <laughs> Me. It's like I get turned around walking out my front door. <laughs> I'm, it's, it's bad sometimes. If, if it wasn't for this thing and, and this lady named Siri, I would never know where I was going. But his presence has to be your compass. It says that, it says that they, well, let me just read it rather than paraphrase it. It says they're all, they're, throughout all their journey, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. We want to be a people that we don't do anything unless he's speaking into that thing. We don't want to not do anything unless this tells us not to do it. Right? It's like they opened the door this Sunday. They felt like the Lord told them to do it. Wonderful. Next Sunday, he may not give permission to do that. It's, it's about just doing whatever we can to try and turn our ear to heaven and hear what he's doing. And, and as, as the pastor of this church, and 
pastor, I feel like it's a little different role sometimes. Um, I'm learning to feel more like I'm a father over a church. And, and, um, and some of you don't understand that, some of you really do. But I feel more like I'm a father, and, and a father wants to do what's absolutely best for his children. I fought with that. If I'm really honest, I fought with that role. I fought with that role for a long time. The Lord took care of that the other day. And it's like, all right, it's fine. I'll view myself that way. And I, I don't say that as in arrogance. I say that in like fear and trembling because that's, there's a lot to that. But, but I'm going to do my best to listen to the Lord and to say lead this group. It's, it's, he's leading. I'm trying to articulate where he's leading. I'm going to do my best if he moves on from a particular thing. Or if he settles in a particular thing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best to point us to that place. I am. That's what I want for you all. I want our kids to experience that, right? Like I had this picture, without getting too weird, like when, when Michaela and... When Michaela and Katie were up here dancing this morning, it was like just for a moment, it was like I saw their kids up here dancing this morning. And the only way that happens, the only way that happens is if we're like really careful with what the Lord's given us. And we don't move on unless he says move on and we stay if he says stay. And we're just going to do whatever we can. Now, some days we're going to miss it. But I pray those are a lot less than the days that we get it right. Now, someone's like, well, how can we do that? Jesus did it. I won't read the verses uh, for time's sake this morning, but I believe it's, it's John chapter 6 and John chapter 8. Jesus said he did nothing under his own initiative. And we understand that, 1 John four seventeen, as he is, so we in this world. We understand that Jesus came and he was fully God, but he was fully man, and the life he lived on earth was his fully man. Like he didn't use his supernatural powers to like heal people. He did it as fully as a man living in right relationship with the Lord. Because so, in Philippians says he emptied himself of everything. So you can read that if you don't believe that. So he emptied himself of all of heaven, came and lived this life. And he said, I did nothing under my own initiative, which meant that he did not do anything unless he first saw or heard his father do it first. And if he lived that life, then he's the standard for what we're supposed to live like. And by the way, that's the difference between being born again and saved. Is born again, we says, well, he's way up here. And he is way up here. But being born again means you recognize that you've been seated in the heavenly places with him, Ephesians 2.10. You've been seated in the heavenly places with him and in him. And it changes the way we live our life and what we can believe for. I'm just shooting from the hip right now, man. It's just like, it's coming. And so if that's the standard, then that means that we really can leave. We, we may not have a pillar of fire and a cloud to tell us what to do. But it's like, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? You may not rock and sway like I do. That's fine. But it's like, what do you want to do, Lord? What do you want to do? And you go with it. 
to go with it. Well, how do I know to go with? Well, sometimes he, boom, he speaks. What if I don't hear an audible voice? You have the mind of Christ. Maybe the first thing that pops in your head is from the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I actually think the Holy Spirit's voice is probably quicker than the devil's voice. I think if they ran in a foot race, the Holy Spirit would give me a thought quicker than the devil would. So I'll, I'll go with that. Good. What, what if it's a bad thought? I won't do it because every good and perfect thing comes from above. But what if it's a really good thing? I, then I'm probably just going to do it and believe that the Lord told me to do it. <laughs> right. and what if I'm wrong? Well, when I get to heaven, I, like, by the way, you're probably not going to go wrong, especially when it comes to blessing someone. The, the, yeah, what was it? It was Saturday morning. We went to get coffee at Heine Brothers because that's manna. And so we went to, we got some manna from Heine Brothers. Well, that's the milk and honey. That's not manna. Manna's Krispy Kreme donuts. But anyway. <laughs> We were there, and we're, we're ordering, and it took us a really, really, really long time to order. And the lady behind us, she was so precious, but she was agitated that it took so long. And they were asking, like, because it was busy, they were asking, what do you all want to order? And she got two medium black cups of coffee. And so, like, I'm sitting here, and I'm waiting on the others to order because they didn't know what they had there. And, and I'm waiting on them, and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, just pay for her coffee so that she can leave. And so I was like, I want to pay for her coffee. And the guy goes, this isn't the drive-thru. Because he was like thinking of the pay it forward thing, you know. And I'm like, no, just go ahead and do it. So he swipes my card. And she didn't know I did it. I went and sat down. And she's like arguing with the guy, I need to pay for my coffee. And she's like, that guy over there. And she comes over. And she's like, why did you do that? I was like, you had to wait forever. And she's like, what do you mean? And we're like, well, Jesus loves you. And he cares for you. And so we just felt like you had to wait a really long time. We're sorry for it. We just wanted to bless you. And like she, she was like deer in headlines. Now, the Holy Spirit spoke that. Now, what if I would have been like, ah, oh, that's not God. I don't know. if the whole, You know, when I get to heaven, you think the Lord's going to be like, you blessed that woman and you weren't supposed to. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's not. I don't think he will at least. So we want to be the people that just listen, listen, move with the ebbs and flow of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 47 says that there's a river flowing out from the temple. Rivers are fluid. Oh, no, it's okay. She'll call you right back. It was the bat. <laughs> it's okay. And so, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's like a river. And water moves. Water's fluid. The current's fluid. The wind is the Spirit. It, it's fluid. And so, we'll be a fluid people. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.